Hello, this is feature Mr. Gert Leonhardt. These are my keynote speeches as podcasts. Let's dive right in and let's uh, identify what's happening today and what's going to happen in the future and what does it mean for gifted people, gifted children, and those teaching and instructing them. First, it's quite clear that we are not going back to normal. The current COVID crisis is extending. Uh, this is a deep cut in the way that we look in the future. The World Economic Forum calls it the Great Reset was in the cover of Time magazine last week. We are now going into a future that is completely different than before because of the pandemic, but also because so many things before the pandemic have gotten even bigger, like online learning, online teaching, remote working, working from home, e-commerce. That's pretty much true around the world. So we're going warp drive as fast as possible <laughs> into a mind-boggling future. Huh? Uh, I know if you recall Star Trek, but basically you hit the button and off you are in the future. The future is already here. We just haven't noticed. And the principle of the future, and this is really important for those with gifts and those teaching them, is gradually then suddenly. We're going very slowly, uh, sort of linear, and all of a sudden this exponential change. You know, the singularity, the conversions of humans and machines, all the concept that you will hear about today from the other speakers and in the conference, gradually then suddenly, we're not going stepwise in the future, we're, we're like warp drive into the future. And this is really important when we think about what's happening around us in technology, what are called the game changes, whether it's the Internet of Things and quantum supercomputing or the uh, way that machines are starting to understand languages, artificial intelligence, so-called, which I'll talk about later, uh, and 3D printing and uh, virtuality and human genome editing. The story goes on, but here's the thing. We always think that this is going to take time, but no, it, it's speeding up like crazy because the future is exponential. It's suddenly, right, and, and it basically becomes, before we know it, it's, it's like turbo drive in the future. And here's the thing we have to keep in mind. Our world will change more in the next 10 years than the previous 100 years. And that's because technology is now converging to create entirely new possibilities. Think about 3D printing, quantum computing, the Internet of Things, telecoms. I mean, we're talking about a world that is dramatically different where science fiction is in fact becoming science fact. So keep that in mind when we think about the future and the planning of education and training and of course giftedness. Right? Uh, that is going to be a gift to understand it in this speed. Right? That's going to take a lot of thinking. And basically what we have now in our world is really quite clear. It's not just technology, but everything is exponential, including uh, genome editing, biotechnology, uh, telecommunications, media. It's creating convergent industries like the pharma business and the tech business are converging. And it's creating combinatorial offerings. Uh, think about the latest uh, entertainment products. They wouldn't be possible without the mobile phone, the cloud, artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, that's And that is a world that we have to understand that is exponential. Humans aren't exponential. I mean, our world is really quite different when you're looking at our reality of what we're seeing, what we are as humans. Technology is exponential, humans are linear, and nature is cyclical, right? Nature is going like this and up and down and, and we have death of, of, uh, of species and then a new species comes on. Uh, yeah, technology is not like that. Technology is basically 4, 8, 16, 32, 30 steps to a billion. 
Like many of my colleagues, including Ray Kurzweil and Michio Kaku, have said, it's hard to imagine an exponential world, but this is what we're going towards. So I think it's really important that gifted people, gifted children understand this and also the difference and they can possibly respect the difference also between humans and machines. I mean, we're clearly not going to be exponential without becoming a machine. So if that's your choice, then that's a different path and we can go big discussion about this convergence and what it means and do we really need to connect our brain to the internet to keep up with the machines as Elon Musk has been arguing quite forcefully. But I think really what it means for our education and for our children and for what we're thinking about learning, it's a twofold approach. It cannot just be science and technology and engineering and math, you know, STEM because computers are getting smart. Computers cannot be scientists, but they can do scientific jobs, you know, cloud biology, uh, drug development with AI. Yeah, that is already working and it will work. I mean, imagine 10 years from now, a lot of things that we used to do in technology machines will do. Engineering, do we really need a, a million engineering graduates in India every year to construct bridges and do telecom maintenance? Uh, I think machines will learn that. And it's quite clear that we as humans, we have this inherent capability of creativity, imagination, intuition, what I call the androidisms in my book. I call that hecky. Humanity, ethics, creativity, imagination. And this is something that we have to develop, especially for gifted children, because the gifts are not just about science. They're actually, of course, always a convergence of the two. This is very important, I think, for our future, especially in your region, you know, thinking about bringing this together, the human skills, the understanding, the ethics, the emotions, the values, the emotional intelligence, uh, not just the scientific. Well, of course, that is, that is not really a difference, right? But EQ and, I, and IQ are coming together. And ideally speaking, we can, we can be in both uh, segments. But, you know, if you're looking at gifted people and generally people, of course, and students, it's usually an inclination towards one or the other. And combining the two is very rare, like Einstein, you know, polymath, genius, Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, yeah, we have that. It's possible. But we do have to set priorities. And I think there is really important that our educational systems go into both. Ethics, philosophy, music, art engineering, science, mathematics, that we have those options available to us and that we can think of a future that combines the two of them. That brings me to a really important part of my presentation. Human, humans and machines. What is the interface of, of that in the future? We're clearly looking at a world to where we're increasingly overlapping with machines and robots and automation and smart technology, computers, mobile devices, virtuality helmets. It's, it's a dizzying amount of change. And we're inventing new stuff every minute. And now in a COVID crisis, technology has become a winner. Everything around technology people are excited about. They're excited about the possibilities. They're excited about being able to work from home. I mean, it's mind-boggling. The last six months have brought more transformation than the previous six years. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, sometimes that's quite overwhelming. But clearly, this is a big question. How far do we go with this? And what does it mean for gifted children, this conversions of humans and machines? Can we think of a computer as being gifted? No. And why is that? And can we use computers to, to assist us in that process of nurturing gifted children? Absolutely. And really what it is in the end, 
it's about both. Right? Androrhythms, the human things, and algorithms. You know, androrhythms are these things that make us human that a computer would be hard-pressed to pursue. Uh, we have, of course, the Moravec paradox, which says that uh, whatever is easy for a computer is hard for a human and vice versa. And that is still so true. And so nurturing those things, both of those in gifted children, that's really important. The ability to understand technology and the ability to be human and the human-only skills that we have, right? emotions, intuition, compassion, mystery. And we don't want technology to take those away. We don't want to sacrifice our emotions, our, our free will, because the computer has a better idea of what we should be doing. So that is a really important path, I think, for the future. That's where gifts are playing out. Gifts are much more complex than, than chips. You know, computers are binary and, and we are multinary. So Jeff Bezos is a great example. He always says when it comes to really important things, we need data and facts and logic. And I agree on that. But then he said the other day this, talking about the algorithms indirectly, what might be, all of my best decisions in business and life have been made with heart, intuition, guts, not analysis. So in the end, I, it's quite clear. We don't have to ask him what, which one of the two he wants. He, he does both because he's human. What does it mean for gifted children? Well, we have to develop both. The algorithms are perfect for figuring out what might be, what is coming. And this is, especially in your region, absolutely crucial when we're looking at what's happening with energy and oil and the future of that uh, and this entire paradigm shift that we're seeing in this great transformation that we're in right now. The next 10 years, they are crucial for humanity. They're crucial in every possible aspect, whether it's about energy, whether it's about environment, whether it's about uh, 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 fixing uh, diseases, whether it's about genetic engineering. The next 10 years will bring that. We need both skills in our gifted children. And really, when we look at this sort of human-only gift, as I call it sometimes, it's quite clear that humans can immediately get to the point in very complex situations, like recognizing each other takes a human 0.4 seconds, roughly, to estimate the other person without saying a single word. And AI, an artificial intelligence, it has to look at 300 million images of cats to be able to figure out if it's a cat or a vacuum cleaner. Right. So, I mean, yeah, that will improve, of course, but we have that gift of getting to the point and having perception in a 360-degree environment. This is holistic. Right? That's what we are as humans. We should not remove that from our gifted kids. We should emphasize that right? and then put technology underneath you know, to make sure we understand this because it's really quite simple put in this statement. I think that's the core of my talk. Right? Computers are binary, zero and one, if this, then that, rules-based, logic-based. Avoid, devoid of context, really, and of purpose, of course, and of existence, never mind that, right? Humans are multinary. We have hundreds of layers of possibilities, and this is what we have to develop. This is what we have to put on top of machines to make sense of our future. So human creativity really is about taking, being able to take a wider view, right? So we can be this guy, and think about what's happening today and what we need to do today to keep business running or governments or countries. And then here we have a wider view that says, well, what do we need to do in five years? Because chances are it could be entirely different than what we have now. Right? I mean, what we need in five years will be different. Think about that for a second. In 10 years, we're very close to quantum and supercomputing. 
We're going to have 10G networks, 9 billion people on the internet, and we're going to overcome those issues of the pandemic and of uh, climate change and all of those things. But that's, that's quite a task, right? So imagining what might be is, is a gift right? to be able to imagine. And that's also something that, of course, we can train. Einstein once said, imagination is more important than knowledge. And I believe that's so true when we think about our kids. We have to further that. We have to always have a lot of knowledge. Clearly, that's, that's a benefit. And Einstein was that genius polymath that actually had both. But we have to make our choices as humans. And I think it's really important that we think about this future mindset living in two worlds. You know, on the one hand, we have the world of facts and logic. And on the other hand, of imagination. Storytelling, intuition, well, that's what humans do. You know, we exist in engagement, relationships, experiences. So the future mindset is basically to live in the present, but to also have one leg in the future, right? one head, one world to understand the future, to imagine it. That's what gifts are all about, right? imagination. It's to bring those two together, as Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, or the, the late CEO, rest in peace, has always said, it's about art and technology coming together. Uh, and this is really important when we think about us. You know, F. Scott Fitzgerald has a great quote, the test of a future uh, of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold the two opposing ideas in your mind at the same time and still be able to function. That is a gift. That's what we have to nurture. Think about, execute today, but also be open for thinking about tomorrow. The best leaders in the world have that, uh, political and otherwise. Uh, think about what that means for us. Because this world, the world of data, it's a very powerful world. The most powerful companies in the world are now data companies uh, and technology companies. And of course, they use data for everything. Uh, and that's going to even increase, of course, also because of the current crisis. I mean, data is king, right? Data is the new oil, like you say many times, but data can also be uh, used as a weapon. So very important for us, you know, that we keep this place for humans. As Buckminster Fuller, famous future, futurist, inventor, visionary, author, designer said, mistakes are great. The more I make, the smarter I get. Try to teach that to a computer. We have to be able to tolerate failure and do wrong things. And this is really important when we think about the gifted and nurturing them. You make mistakes, you try again. Edison tried 12,000 times to invent the light bulb until he found a good way to do it. So basically what happens here, then we look at this context of what's currently being hyped as kind of taken away our jobs and our future, which I think is an overall topic which we'll debate later. But artificial intelligence and smart everything is here. Uh, we already have systems that do this. This is Amelia from, from IPsoft. As doing, she's doing the reception at Credit Suisse, inviting people to come in online and chatting with her about trivial things, I'm sure. But, you know, uh, the definition of AI says it right here on the top, right? Uh, Demis Hassab is from DeepMind, uh, computer systems that turn information and data and facts into knowledge. Now, does that sound like a human knowledge? Well, this is a kind of knowledge, right, that machines have. Google Maps has knowledge, but it's not like your knowledge. <laughs> a translation device has knowledge, but it's not human. And these new things from Samsung, called the Samsung Neon, they're virtual people for customer service and receptions and 
avatars and uh, they were introduced at, C, uh, at, C, uh, at CES, Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas last year, or this year rather. Um, and the idea is that you have fully lifelike people acting like concierges and helping you. And yeah, I mean, mind-boggling stuff. But, you know, they have computer knowledge, which is very useful. But our knowledge? Think about emotional intelligence, kinesthetic intelligence, social intelligence. Uh, it's not just yes or no. It's anything in between. So this is really important for us to keep in mind. Here's a great scene from my favorite movie of all time, Blade Runner. Well, the first one, 1982. And a short quote on this topic of intelligence machines. Commerce is our goal here in Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. Yes, well, interesting point, right? More human than human? That's not what we want from artificial intelligence. Eh? We are human. Why do we want more human than human? That is a ridiculous idea. In my view, the concept of building something more human than human, what we really need is a machine that does all of the commodity work, all of the stupid tasks that we have to do. And uh, as Stuart Russell is putting it in his book, Human Compatible, which you must read, a great book about AI, uh, he says really what intelligence is and intelligent systems should be, it's about competence not consciousness. We don't want them to be conscious. That could be very dangerous, in my view. I would agree on that. But it's also unneeded. Right? We just need them to do a better job than us for routine work, for data work, for finding things, for checking facts, for organizing all kinds of things about whatever it is, the smart city, the Internet of Things. Right? That's what we use computers for. So when we think about thinking machines, machines that, are, that can think like a human, we're pretty far away from that. They Certainly they, they think and they learn like a machine would. And that's extremely useful. But Paul Sappho, uh, a fellow futurist of mine, as he likes to say, don't confuse a clear view with a short distance. Uh, yeah, it's a clear view that machines could one day get there, some say 2050. Right now they're not intelligent like humans. You know, they are, they are smart assistants. And this is why I like the word intelligent assistants or smart everything. Let's not confuse those two things. They really are quite different. So looking at this future quite clearly, that's going to be a dominating topic because it is the most powerful thing we can imagine, a machine that can learn. But we shouldn't expect it to learn what we can learn or how we learn. It is in its own class of learning. And this is very important, I think, when we, when we think about our kids. Uh, Luciano Furidi, our Oxford ethicist, and uh, machine learning and AI expert, he says, algorithms outperform human intelligence when it's not about understanding emotions, intentions, interpretations. And why would we uh, want to have machines that can have the same semantic skills or interpretations, the fuzzy logic that we have? Uh, I don't see why we would want that unless we want to replace ourselves or merge with them, or, of course, in the sense of Elon Musk, you know, we could create a trillion-dollar business. Uh, for his brain-computer interface, the Neuralink. So it's important for us when we think about what we teach our kids, right? The things that computers can't do and the computers won't do. So really what we're seeing here is that with artificial intelligence, we're on this path of intelligent assistance. That's what we have right now, IA. And then machines tend to get more intelligent, like in IBM Watson cases and so on. And then the ultimate destination, this idea of artificial superintelligence, uh, AGI, uh, a machine that has the IQ, parenthesis, of all humans. Uh, 
as Ray calls well, as 2050. Uh, and I would tend to agree on the possibility of this, but is it a good idea? And I really think what we need when we think about AI is what I call the Digital Ethics Council. It's a possibility of saying, well, we should go this far, but no further. It's kind of like genetic research or nuclear nuclear equipment or, you know, there is a danger point that we shouldn't go beyond without having good reason to believe that's going to be safe for us. So very important that we, you know, we, we, we create a wall there between the good part of IA and the not so good part probably of AGI. And so I proposed in many countries uh, to uh, establish a digital ethics council. And I think it has been picked up in quite a few countries, the idea of saying, well, you know, really we have to govern this powerful technology. And when we think about gifted children and education, clearly this is a top line of the agenda. You know? What do we invest in? Humans can't compete with machines, and they shouldn't. Uh, they, they can compete on their own terms, uh, with themselves, not with machines. Uh, let's define ethics as knowing the difference between what you have the right or the power to do and what is the right thing to do. This is a very, very important statement for all of us, but also especially for gifted children, to understand that you may have the power or even the right to do something, but it's still not the right thing to do. The best example, of course, would be Facebook and social media. They do nothing wrong as, to, as by their terms of use, but it does end up being, giving us the wrong results. So that's an ethical question, I think, that is floating around when you think about technology everywhere now. And especially when you're thinking about the new kind of way of expanding our mind and our vision. For example, through this product, a Facebook Oculus Rift called the Infinite Office, uh, that looks very promising for working from home. Imagine you could do that now. Uh, you could work a hundred times as fast, be like Tom Cruise, the Minority Report, pull out the data and be superhuman. But I do wonder, you know, maybe too much of a good thing could be a very bad thing. Could it dehumanize us? Yes. Could it actually take away our gifts? Yes by dumbing them down. Well, that, of course, there's always a debate about that. Marshall McLuhan, famous media theorist, liked to say that whenever we have an extension of man or woman, you know, we also amputate some things that we used to do. And that's something that clearly we have to keep in mind. You know, when we look at the future of education and how we bring up our kids and how we uh, support gifted children, it's, in my view, it's really quite simple. You know, technology drives our society, but ethics and what we want and what we value defines it. That's why we should not let technology frame every possible discussion. The key question is not what technology can do, but what we want. You know, what we want to reach rather than what we can do. Yes, maybe in 20 years you can connect your brain to the internet directly. Is that a benefit? I doubt it. I think it'll be more amputation than extension, but clearly a debate that we have to have. So let's talk about what that means for uh, skills and work and, and jobs and the future for, uh, for gifted children. Basically, people are worried about this around the world, that because of the power of technology, we become useless humans. And it's clear that anything that can be automated, digitized, robotized, cognified, whatever, uh, yeah, that will be. Because that's what technology does. In 10 years, we will have fully functional self-driving, self-flying cars. Right? We will have technology being our financial agent. But only to the degree that it doesn't take human judgment. Because the flip side of this is this. Right? As we're moving into this future, anything that cannot be digitized or automated, right? that becomes extremely valuable. And that is, of course, 
the the human only aspect of things, right? That is the possibility of the stuff that only we can do. Right? These are things that we need to learn and emphasize our education on emotions, intuition, imagination. Like I said before, that becomes the valuable path in the future. And when we see what uh, machines are already doing today, yeah, this is Amazon warehouse, by the way, using the I think it's a Kiva robot, um, but. You know, clearly this is jobs that machines can do because there are commodity routine works and that entire factory doesn't have humans in it. They would just get in the way. It's the end of routine. We have to get used to this. Whatever routine is, if a machine can learn that it will. And, you know, driving, for example, isn't just routine in many cases. And call centers may be 90% routine, but not 100%. Right? Which parts of your job are routine that machines are going to do? I ask myself that every day. The end of routine does not mean the end of human work. I look at this chart from Amazon, clearly showing that Amazon has roboticized everything, anything, and that keeps on going on, but it's still hiring lots and lots of new people. So how does a company that, that does this, how do, how do they proceed? Well, it's really quite clear this topic of automation isn't new. And automation is, you know, in this Charlie Chaplin film you can see here, uh, is, is a much bigger role than globalization. It's going to change our entire societies, but it will not wipe out human work. You know, I think we can move up the food chain and create a new way of working. One thing is clear, if you work like a robot, the robot will take your job. But ask yourself a question, which part of my jobs are like a robot? And get rid of those. That's what I'm trying to do in my work, like researching, filing, figuring out stuff and publishing things. Yeah? So the robots are going to be everywhere and they're finally going to get smart. And that means to me that you know, we should make room for them to do the things that, that can be done, but not those that shouldn't be done, that require the human touch and the human connection. And this is also, again, really important for gift gifted children to realize that these are the new things that we're going to get into, right? These are the things that are going to significantly change our future because the other thing is that we should not think of learning like this, right? We should not think of learning as a way of downloading information. Again, kind of a matrix concept, you know, that's ridiculous. That's not how humans learn. You know, we learn in a much more complex and individualized way because basically if you learn like a robot, you will never have a job. Well, you have a job of a robot until the robot gets good enough to take it. So here's the bottom line of this. You know, we have to stop thinking of learning as a process like this, like a download or execution of previous commands or going back to the database, you know, that sort of thing. It's about learning how to learn, learning how to be agile and resilient, especially now, you know, in this new world, everything is constantly changing. We're living in the world of VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, we need to be able to invent and, and, and pivot on the dime. And machines, you know, when you look at what machines can do, clearly they can deal with as much data and information as you want, but data and information is not knowledge. It's not understanding. It is not wisdom. It certainly isn't purpose. Far away from it. Let the machines have the data and information and some of that machine knowledge that they have. Right? But let them not take over the things that are important. Wisdom, purpose, understanding. That's our job. That's the job for the gifted. So here's a nutshell recipe for the future. We're going to see a lot of intelligent services, intelligent platforms, parentheses, smart platforms, intelligent assistance, powerful software. That's really what it is. 
And on top of that, we're going to put the things that make us. And that's what we have to focus on in our education. We have to understand technology and be great scientists, and, but put the humanity on top of our ultimate job will be to be human. And our ultimate gift of the future is that we both understand, we understand both the humans and machines. Technology. Putting those two things together, depending, of course, what kind of inclination you have and based on your talents. Everybody has different talents. Some people may be great scientists and that's ultimately their path, that's all they do. And other people are great humanists. And maybe you can be both, but understanding both humans and machines, I think that will be ultimately crucial. So, as we're coming together in this world, this is the key question that, that I have. You know, how are we going to find this balance? The balance between humans and machines. How are we going to find the process of going back and forth and making a connection? Uh, that's going to be a, a deep societal discussion about how exactly that can take place and what it means for us. So, let's talk about the future mindset and uh, the gifted as a final chapter in my presentation. Uh, the future mindset is really quite clear what it is. You know, it's, it's not thinking about what was normal, like I said in the beginning. Thinking about what is the new normal. And uh, just as a side note, the new normal isn't just one new normal, it's several new normals. Depending on where you are, what your societal preference is, what kind of culture you have surrounding the things that you do. This is crucial as we're moving into a world of the new normal, asking a different question. And this is what our gifted children and students need to ask. Not what will the future be. There is no such thing. The future doesn't just fall down from the sky. It's not made in Silicon Valley or in China or in Riyadh for that matter. It, what will the future bring is not a good question. It could bring anything. We design the future, we make it. Our uh, gifted children and children with creativity have to design our preferred future. Here's the key question. What do we want our future to be? And for us, the question is, what kind of future do we want our kids to have? And this is the decision that we're making right now. In the next 10 years, our future will be defined for the rest of humanity. Uh, this will not just have impact on the next 50 years, but yeah, for our perpetual future. So, really important, this is the question that our gifted children and students have to entertain to define that future, to think about what that means, yeah? to develop their androrhythms, the human things, of paying attention. Right? I mean, this, this symbol of the ears is, is the perfect combination of what we really need to do. Observing, listening, paying attention, understanding. In, in all of its complexity. You know, the difference between data and information and understanding is really quite simple. Is This is not a logical process. You know, we're filtering out the reality and we're making conclusions. And we're inventing our reality as we go along. And of course, machines will whisper in our ear and tell us things that we didn't know. They'll find new patterns and we can be fortified by machines to think faster. But we shouldn't let them do the thinking. The thinking in the sense of decisions that we make. And trivial decisions, Google Maps, yeah, we do that. And translation, yes, sometimes, if it works. But this is really important, the combination of algorithms and algorithms, and being able to make that connection. I mean, this is a true gift. Think Leonardo da Vinci and other polymath all around us, you know, that, that we've seen over the years, uh, going all the way back even to Oppenheimer and Einstein and people like that, right, that have all of those skills and this is what a gift is, right? being able to make those connections. 
uh, in instantly being able to find a way forward and, and, and creating something. And this is something we have to support by providing skills and training and experience, right? not just providing formula and plans and, and use cases and whatever you want to call it. Right? I mean, it's really quite clear in this future, we should not let the machines take over and kind of create this effect of being de-geniused. I love to talk about this part because I think we're seeing that all around us in school that you know uh, many many of our children and our students are going to school and coming out less of a genius because they've learned all the process but they have not learned how to learn and how to how to change and how to pivot and how to flip right? don't be degenious this is one of the bottom lines I think that's going to be really important for our future okay and so as we move into that future, there's another uh, thing I talk a lot about in my books and in my speaking is as far as education is concerned and humanity is concerned, we must embrace technology to get quicker and faster and more efficient and do all the things that we want to do. But we should not become technology. We should remain human with all the flaws, all the mystery, the serendipity, all the mistakes that we have because that's the kind of world we want. We don't want to live in a world that's run by machines. And we should use the gifts, the creativity of our children to build this kind of world that is going to give us human purpose and the human connection that we want in the future. This is Gerd Leonhard, Futurist. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out my videos at gerdtube.com on YouTube.